Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who will help us pay attention to something we should know about as well as answer some of your questions. This week we're talking about sustainable fashion, how our habits might need to change, the most sustainable type of outfit and the importance of remembering who made our clothes. Joining me this week is Venetia Lamana. Venetia is a broadcaster and fair fashion campaigner. Earlier this year, she co-founded Remember Who Made Them, a digital campaign and podcast series with aims to re-energise a new solidarity economy in fashion. Describing herself as a recovering hypocrite, she uses her own history of fast fashion consumption and ongoing education to teach other people about the inner workings of the fashion industry and how to create a more sustainable wardrobe. I think this is the first time I've sat and recorded one of these wearing jeans and it's not going well for me so far. <laughs> jeans for in 2020, I'm wearing jeans today as well and it feels like a big step. Feels like you've dressed up a bit for the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a pyjama top, but... I was about to ask you, is that a pyjama top? Because I really like it. Yeah, it's pyjamas. I would also be really here for the energy if you were just recording a podcast in your pyjamas because that's exactly what I would like to do. <laughs> I might do that anyway. <laughs> Well, I thought I'd balance it with some jeans. Because I could get away with a pyjama top if I'm wearing jeans as well. It's a great top. If you could start, I guess, by just telling us a little bit about yourself and how sustainable fashion came to be something that you're known for. So I am... Well, I actually started my career in TV and I was behind the camera for a long while and then I stepped in front of the camera and at the time I was a huge lover of fast fashion and I never wanted to be seen in the same outfit twice Um, in fact I thought as a tv presenter I couldn't be seen in the same outfit twice and then I started uh, hosting digital content and was like gosh this is exciting And so I started making YouTube videos, started a podcast and I was kind of on YouTube. I was talking about my life um, as a vegan and the kind of things that I was eating and cooking. And you know how the internet loves to, you know, ask people, ask people their intentions, call them out, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Someone on the internet was like, hey, great that you're eating plants, but you're wearing a lot of fast fashion. And I was like, accurate. And they said, you should really do some research. And so off I popped, went off and did some research. 
and I actually couldn't believe what I had been supporting and I couldn't I couldn't I didn't want to be a part of it anymore and so I just decided to stop buying fast fashion and I just went on a bit of a clothing detox continued to learn and started sharing some of the things that I was learning on Instagram started a little hashtag called triple OTD which was meant as a little middle finger up to the OOTD hashtag which is outfit of the day triple OTD was old outfit of the day so basically to encourage uh outfit repeating which I know you're into and also and also um like not anti-newness basically because I felt like I couldn't keep up with that either and it just kind of went from there so I wish I I wish I was someone who had been you know an advocate for all things fair fashion for a long time but that's frankly not the truth I was obsessed with all of those fast fashion brands that we're familiar with and I spent a lot of time in those stores on those sites and buying those clothes Mm. I mean I feel like that is one of the things that makes me enjoy hearing your conversations about this kind of topic because I feel like that is one of the things that people struggle with a little bit to feel like I don't know that it's that it's too difficult to get these things right or that you know you've messed up so badly or you know how do you change your habits so I like hearing you talk about the fact that you know it's not you didn't come out of the womb wearing a you know thrifted bamboo (laughs) anything um I feel like hearing you talk actually I'm kind of skipping over a point because I feel like it's something I already know but if people aren't familiar already with the term fast fashion what is that fast fashion is basically a super quick turnaround form of fashion so it goes from being designed to being made in usually just a matter of weeks and the reason why it's fairly problematic is because fashion is a really really polluting industry it's one of the top most polluting industries in the world it requires so much uh, energy transportation water the lot the lot so much um and Also, it's really ethically, it's awful, especially if it is fast fashion, but luxury fashion is by no means exempt because generally speaking, fast fashion is now incredibly cheap Mm -hmm. and the people at the top of these companies that we're so familiar with are making millions, in in fact, billions. They're some of the richest people in the world and the people making the clothes are earning on average about $21 a month. So if you think of your kind of average fashion CEO he's probably they're probably worth a couple of billion and then their workers are getting paid $20 a month on average so there's a real discrepancy between there's a real wage gap basically mm-hmm. so I kind of think about it in terms of absolute ab- absolutely the environmental impact but more than ever the human impact and I also yeah it is really important for me to say that just because a brand is more expensive or it's luxury or it's considered luxury does not make it ethical uh, or sustainable and yeah I mean I'm sure people are kind of getting more familiar with uh, sustainable and green marketing from various fashion brands it feels like they're all Mm -hmm. doing it Um, but unfortunately there's a lot of greenwashing happening it's a really really complicated industry 
and it's a really, really damaging and oppressive industry too. When you say greenwashing, what what do you mean by that? So greenwashing is basically when, so in terms of fashion, it's when a fashion company says that they're doing something environmentally friendly. So for example, this line of clothing is uh, sourced responsibly. It's made from, let's say, 20% organic cotton. Mm Mm-hmm. Organic cotton is okay. It's definitely less water intensive than normal cotton. However, more often than not, this is coming, if this is coming from a big fast fashion brand, great that they're using some recycled cotton or some fair trade cotton or some organic cotton, but how much of their work is being paid. And this is the thing that I'm really, really focused on now. I started getting into uh, slow fashion because I was really concerned about the planet and I still am like, this is one of the biggest, I mean, this is why you're doing this Mm -hmm. podcast partly, right? Like this is one of the biggest concerns of our time, but now more and more my energy and my focus is on garment workers because it's such an unfair industry and, and nothing can be sustainable in my eyes unless, unless it is also ethical. I think this is one of the things though. It's kind of, when you think about the, environmental impacts I think it's easier for people to imagine the negative environmental impacts of say buying a piece of clothing whether it's cheap clothing fast fashion expensive clothing you can imagine buying something material throwing it away and it's sitting in a pile in landfill and you can kind of it's quite easy to imagine why that's a problem but as you said there are lots more human impacts and human implications and I think that's something we've definitely seen more in the media this year with I mean one of these days I will get through recording an episode and not refer to the pandemic but that's not going to be today this year we've definitely seen in the media um the kind of impact of a lot of these big companies cancelling their orders and not paying the garment workers for clothes that have already been produced and they've just decided you know my shops are closed I can't sell them I'm not going to pay you I think that's definitely put more of a mainstream media focus maybe on on garment workers and actually forcing people to not just think about you know where do my clothes end up but where did they come from in the first place absolutely and there was also the scandal in Leicester that happened this year there are lots of uh, clothing factories in Leicester and there was a slave labor scandal that came out earlier in the summer about how some of these workers are only getting paid three pounds fifty an hour which is way below the living wage so yes these these stories you know on, on the ethical side of things are definitely coming up more and more however so there are so many more of them that we don't hear about And I think you're right. I think it's because we feel very far removed from the human cost of this crisis, because I think it is a crisis. And it's much easier for us to, because we're familiar with our own habits, you know, like I know how I've donated clothes in the past. I know how I've ordered stuff online before. It hasn't been quite right. I've scrambled it up. I've put it back on back in the bag to be returned. It might have some kind of foundation stain on it. And it's easy to think like, okay, is that fast fashion brand really going to receive that piece of 15 pound top say? Are they going to receive that 15 pound top back? Are they going to remove that foundation stain? Are they going to steam it? Are they then going to hang it up and put it back on the rail? No, probably not. They're probably going to throw it away because it's cheaper for them to do that. Whereas I can't I couldn't quite grasp 
the ethical side of things so much. It's only now that I do because I've spoken to garment workers and their unions lots for work that I've been doing this year. But I was much more kind of, I think I was more aware of, and this is how I kind of got into ethical living, right? It's like, what are my own, where are my own habits at? Whether that's eating, whether that's travel, like what am I doing as an individual? And that's the original reason why I slowed my shopping habits. But I also really want to say that like, it's really important for me to say that I don't want to put too much onus on individuals for their own shopping habits. Like, of course, it's easy for me to stop buying fast fashion and to buy from charity shops. I have privilege. I have time privilege. I have money privilege. I have access. I'm also uh, straight sized, which means it's easier for me to find secondhand clothes. Mm -hmm. But how wonderful would it be if collectively our governments put in legislation which meant that any person could shop anywhere and know that what they were buying was ethical and sustainable knew that the people making it had fair living wages right like that's the goal yeah it's not I don't think the goal is about having like my my, currently now my goal is to sure make people more more aware absolutely and the more of us who can be collectively more aware the more we create a demand and the more we can make collective change but equally I want the big dogs to listen I want the billionaire CEOs to do something and to use their power I want governments to listen and to pass the right legislation like that's more my focus so if anyone is listening and they're thinking like oh god I you know I went on ASOS on the weekend and I bought lots of clothes because I was feeling quite down that day my mental health was bad I'm not here to make you feel guilty that's not my role I'm here to maybe make you think and then think more about like hang on why isn't there legislation in place that's that's what I want. Yeah, I mean, I think all of these conversations definitely do make you think more. They've definitely made me think more. And it's even even stuff like that you mentioned before, the idea of kind of when you send things back, I just hadn't thought about. And it's that kind of practice where, you know, when you're buying online, which I, the vast majority of anything that I've bought in the past I don't know five years at least like is always online I just I'm bad at shopping in shops I don't enjoy it um but I would kind of sometimes do that thing where you order two sizes because you're not sure what size you need and then send the other one back but I'd never thought that you know that's that it wasn't going to end up being sold again I think it's just you know framing things that you don't think about and that level of awareness is really important I think yeah and I just I also used to think you know when I went into shops and physical shops and how much product was on a rail and then you see the sale rails and there's still a lot of product there and I just was thinking what happens to all of that clothing that's not get sold and also let's not forget that the majority of the clothing that we give to charity shops, and this is really hard to swallow, the majority of it doesn't get sold. The majority of it either ends up as landfill, which is really polluting and harmful for our planet, or it gets sent to developing countries who, and it's not their job to deal with our waste. Mm-hmm. So not only are we you know, polluting our own landfills, we're also polluting the countries and the landscapes of developing nations who, and this isn't their issue. The fast fashion issue isn't, they're not creating that demand, that's us. So we've got this kind of excess and kind of hangover from colonialism as well, because we're sending clothes to countries that 
we in the global north once colonized. Mm-hmm. There's an incredible organization called Dead White Man's Clothes, and on Instagram, they're at the OR is present, and I'd really, really recommend following their work and and because um, they're doing incredible things. But that's also something that's really important for us to to bear in mind, and and that kind of links to overconsumption as a general. If you're someone who can't doesn't have access to secondhand shops or feels that their only option is fast fashion, fine, buy less of it because the one of the main issues here is overconsumption. Yeah. Yeah, I think ugh, it's it's such a nuanced conversation and everyone like in different areas as you say like has different levels of privilege and different levels of access to different kinds of shopping. I think looping back to what you just said about the kind of charity shopping and where our clothing ends up that's something that I've thought about more recently even just this year to be honest is kind of in the past when I've like I've never been someone who's you know thrown clothes in the bin I've always had a you know like if there's clothes that don't fit you anymore or you just don't wear anymore but they're still you know in good condition you give them to a charity shop but I kind of haven't thought about it enough until quite recently that I like I don't didn't really shop in charity shops so it's that kind of thing and I think a lot of people would probably be the same where you you think oh well I'll I'll donate these clothes to charity and that's me doing something good but then you're not shopping in charity shops so surely you end up with vastly more clothes in charity shops than that are going to get sold and kind of hadn't thought about then what happens to the rest of them exactly and that's as a result of our kind of the amount that we've been shopping it's just completely out of hand you know fast fashion has completely disrupted our consumption when it comes to clothing you know it's not we didn't used to shop in this way we didn't used to buy this much we didn't used to be able to get a piece of clothing to our door within three clicks pay for it you know on a a a monthly basis for a while and then have it delivered the next day like that's not how we used to live and I think as a result of a lot of people being at home more this year, they've been doing clear outs. You know, I'm the same at most weekends. I'm organizing my wardrobe. I'm folding up my clothes. I'm seeing, you know, what I've got kicking mm-hmm. around. And I've been, I've walked past many charity shops, many of which are closed. And you just see bags of clothes left on the ground, yeah. you know, spilling out all of this clothing. And this, again, this isn't me attacking individuals for doing a clear out and hoping to do a good thing because charity shops are wonderful and they do such important work and they make it easier for us to um, also shop secondhand but it's more like how of the fast fashion how how I want the owners to be on fast fashion brands like they push this newness on us all the time it's relentless they pay influencers and celebrities so much money to push this newness on us all the time so we feel like in order to feel good and to look good and to keep up we have to buy so much and Mm -hmm. that's having this huge impact everywhere else yeah definitely um I want to loop back because you did mention this briefly before and we've obviously just continued um I do want to make sure we talk about the kind of inequity in being able to shop secondhand and being able to shop sustainably because aside from things you mentioned like time privilege I know there's a big conversation to be had around 
um, plus size shopping and how it's so much more difficult in general to shop, you know, secondhand vintage or sustainable brands when the options just aren't always there for plus size people. And I think that's, I'm sure that's a conversation that must carry over into, you know, other intersections as well. For example, you know, if you're someone in the disability community and you have a very particular need that you need to fill with your clothes, I'd imagine that's nigh on impossible to buy secondhand. Like there are a lot of considerations here that, you know, not not everyone's starting from a level playing field here, I would say. Absolutely. And if you are someone who has straight side size privilege I'd really encourage you to leave the larger sized clothes in the secondhand stores when you see them because it's hard enough for people who are who aren't straight sized to shop secondhand already without us buying bigger clothes for the oversized look or to customize right like I'll crop this no worries so that's something that's important to mind to bear in mind but also for me like I um and this is also a privilege. I, I get contacted by lots of fashion brands regularly uh, who, you know, f- for different reasons. And if they're not size inclusive, then I, that is a conversation I'm constantly having because it shouldn't be the the onus isn't on um, plus size people to make this space more inclusive. The onus, I see the onus is on me. Like, how can I make, how can I use my privilege to make all of these sustainable brands, so-called sustainable brands, more inclusive. So this can be a movement for everyone because ultimately we can't have a sustainable fashion revolution without it being inclusive for Mm -hmm. everyone. I'd really recommend uh, Lydia Morrow. Uh, She does brilliant work on this because I'm also aware that like, I don't want to be taking up too much space when I'm talking about this as a straight size person. So I'd really recommend Lydia Morrow, Audra Barber, Stephanie Yeboah has spoken about it recently on her blog, which Mm -hmm. is brilliant. Um, because it, I just don't think it's on and and why should like if you if you if you can't if you don't feel like the space is size inclusive for you um, I just don't think that onus is on you and, and and you know of course there are issues like if you're a small fashion business there are practical reasons why you can't be size inclusive for everyone I totally understand that but then you know, if you if you're if you're a business that's constantly making new clothes for straight size people I think you probably can make clothes that are more size inclusive this is a question that I think comes up a lot and I have seen you talk about this recently whereby you know you start talking about sustainable fashion and understandably one of the first questions that people ask is well then where should I be shopping what brands should I be buying from which I think is a very understandable question because you know especially if you're looking at particular shops that maybe aren't doing things right and you think we should be avoiding. I think it's sort of human nature to then say, okay, well, what what do I buy instead? Whereas I think a lot of the conversation that we're having now is that it's not it's not always, you know, buy buy something new, but don't buy it of from these bad places. Buy something new from one of these good brands. But the conversation is still buy something new and that's still a problem right yeah it's really important that you picked up on that and thank you for raising it because it's also quite a contentious issue and it's something that I think when I talk about online I get I ruffle a lot of feathers because people want to be given the answers and 
the thing is, is that I don't think there are necessarily that... I don't think there are necessarily that kind of clear cut answers and especially as I'm aware of all the privileges that I have Mm. right so it's all very well for me to say go and support this small ethical business but that might be completely unaffordable or or inaccessible for someone and I'd much rather give people the agency because in the same way that I have to figure out how to make potentially a more ethical decision when it comes to their consumption I'd like to give them that agency but more than anything and this is something that I really want to focus on and it's the thing that ruffled feathers when I highlight a brand that's done something really unethical they haven't paid their garment workers whatever it is I'm not trying to get the person reading that post to say to think okay well I need to go and spend money over there instead Mm -hmm. I'd rather like them to be aware of this issue that's happening and maybe instead think about how they can put their time instead of money to supporting the cause. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm getting at because I, I also like I don't want to be judgmental about someone's personal shopping consumption. And the reality is like I've been a so-called ethical consumer for quite a few years now what did that do for garment workers this year? Absolutely nothing. And I'm not the only one, right? Like there are a lot mm. of ethical consumers, so-called ethical consumers. What has that done for garment workers? Nothing. So I think it's this balance, right? And I'm not saying you can't do both because I am absolutely not going to be shopping from fast fashion brands anytime soon because I'm so passionate mm-hmm. about this. You can do both. You can buy less, buy better, stick to your kind of the things that align with you ethically make the changes in the aspects of your life that you feel you can make changes and that looks different Mm -hmm. for everyone but you can also think about the wider picture the wider issue think about calling out brands holding them accountable signing petitions lobbying governments all of that stuff as well it's this balance I think for me you might be someone who feels like you can only do one or the other I'm not in a position to judge that my I, my aim is to have more people thinking about the wider system because that's how we get garment workers fair living mm-hmm. wages. That's how we get sustainable ethical options that are inclusive for everyone. I, th- I think it's really important to think about it that way as well, to be honest, because it does feel like something that can be really impossible and really overwhelming. And to be honest, I feel like that's a theme with a lot of these things where you're talking about ways to be more sustainable. It feels like there's never going to be enough you can do. But I think that's why it's important to kind of, and that's why I I like the way that you, you know, you talk about, we need to look at the systems in place as opposed to somebody saying, you know, I, I can't afford to necessarily do this. Or like, you know, for people who, you know, my my kid is growing out of their clothes every five minutes, but I can't afford to, you know, shop sustainable brands for things. And it's, it, it is really hard and everyone's in different positions. Even just things like, you know, you start getting so much guilt around things that you're consuming. But then you, when you look at these like small independent brands and it's kind of like, it might be 25 pounds for like, a pair of knickers which sounds like it's such a 
it's such a like weird example to hone in on, but that's the kind of thing that I see. And I think, bloody hell, like who can afford that? Because like most people can't. And that just means, you know, it's it can't just be on us and our individual habits because because how is that going to work? So I think you've raised something really important. And I think often, you know, I think what's quite revealing about a lot of these ethical brands and their price points is that sometimes that means that the workers are getting paid fair living wages. In fact, everyone in the supply chain is getting paid fairly and that's why it's more expensive. And I think we that also requires some reframing. It's not that ethical fashion is so expensive. Mm. It's that fast fashion is so incredibly cheap and also oppressive. So that's something to bear in mind. But also, absolutely, the point you've raised is so, so valid. You know, for most people, that is completely unaffordable and not accessible in any way. And that's kind of why I'm getting at more like this kind of legislation thing of how can we make this accessible for everyone. And another thing that I just wanted to, while I remember just on the kind of, okay, I can't, I don't think you, I can't support fast fashion brands because that's really unethical. What can I buy? What can I support? Where can I go? Something that's quite important to remember with that is that, and you see this a lot with kind of charity t-shirts and that kind of thing. And something that I've kind of really kind of unlearned this year is in order to do a good thing, you don't necessarily need to buy. And I know this is something you said Mm. earlier. To do a good thing, you don't need to buy. You don't need to buy a t-shirt that's, you know, has your, solidarity is not a t-shirt is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was something that I had written down that I was maybe going to ask you about. I think it's such a difficult conversation to have. And I don't know, I'm aware that I'm kind of just like, going on and what I don't want to do is you know frame sustainable fashion in a way that's you know oh sustainable fashion is so expensive because I don't think that's always the case however you know I'm just a person like anyone else and it's kind of you know if I'm thinking this then so are a lot of other people it just is the perception of some things and it does make it feel like you're never going to be able to get it 100% right but I don't think you are I don't think you are either. And that's just, I think that's also as a result of the kind of world that we live in. It's impossible to ever get things right. The world's not built for us to do, make all the right decisions. But something that I would say that is accessible for everyone when it comes to slow fashion is like rule number one, number one, go-to thing. The most sustainable clothes are the ones that are already in your wardrobe. All the clothes you have deserve love. They deserve to be looked after. They deserve to be worn. Not only is that a really, really good way to make the most of what you already have buy less it's also a really good way to show love and respect to the people who made those clothes because every single one of those items of clothing was made by a pair of hands by predominantly women predominantly women of color and I just think each of those garments holds a story so it's really important to wear what you already have and that is the most so the most sustainable wardrobe you can have is just to make the most of what you already own. And most people can do that. So I think that's also, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're feeling really like, oh, confused and lost, know that all of your clothes are wonderful. Even if they're from fast fashion brands, I still wear a lot of fast fashion from, you know, clothes I've had from a long for a long time. Keep wearing them. Keep showing them love. Keep looking after them. It's really, really important. Yeah, I think that is such a good thing to think as well. And it's kind of like, you know, if you're someone who is trying to get a lot more into sustainable fashion, 
it's it's not the case that you know it's now something to be ashamed of that you own a garment from a fast fashion shop and you can't wear it anymore because you're promoting it because you were you already own it like that ship sailed so you may as well just you know make the most of it I think that's something with secondhand shopping as well that I've kind of thought before is because something I now kind of try and do if I am going to buy something whether or not it's from a sustainable brand I'm much more in the habit at least of reading the label and seeing what it's made of to see kind of like you know what where where's it come from what is its onward life likely to be like but once you're looking in a charity shop or a thrift store or wherever you're looking for secondhand clothes does that consideration change quite a lot so if you're buying fast fashion brands secondhand are those pieces then good again I guess is what I'm saying yeah I get asked this all the time probably one of the most frequently asked questions I get is is it okay to buy fast fashion brands secondhand and I absolutely think it is we need to be extending the lifetimes of all all garments that are already in existence my main kind of I guess rule with it is do you love it and if you love it it means you're more likely to wear it more have it for longer so whether or not it's from a fast fashion brand ask yourself how much do I love this does it make me feel amazing and can I see myself wearing it for a really long time I personally don't mind buying fast fashion secondhand Um, but I also like you I love looking at the labels and that kind of thing and I if I'm shopping online secondhand I love using filters as a way to kind of find more uh, sustainable materials a lot of the time just because I love the feel of them as well and I know that they're gonna probably biodegrade more easily in that kind yeah. of thing what are some sustainable materials Venetia that we could be looking for <laughs> yeah so um some really you want to be looking for kind of natural yarns so things like linen hemp I know hemp has like a really um a really kind of negative rep because it's so like hippie but it is actually really really brilliant um cotton if you're buying secondhand you know is a really wonderful material jeans are made from cotton they are super thirsty and super um and they're kind of very uh they're quite intensive but secondhand they're brilliant and then anything with a poly is plastic generally so that's just something to be wary of but if it's secondhand i wouldn't give yourself that much of a hard of a hard time i know that vegans are kind of quite dubious about um things like wool obviously leather Mm -hmm. so if you're vegan that's something to take into consideration too but i am of the opinion that if it's secondhand again ship sailed that ship sailed exactly couldn't have said it better myself this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Ali. She says, I've wanted to get into sustainable fashion for a few years now. I find myself doing okay for a few months until there's a new trend that I really like and then I find myself falling into old habits. Do you have any tips to not fall into old habits like that? Great question. I find the same. She also says, she goes on the end of this question, is do you try and find a way to get the latest trends with what you already have or do you just tell yourself that the trend doesn't matter anyway? Honestly, wonderful question. Can relate so much granddad trainers right big time they were huge oh my god yes and it was oh it's so difficult because I look at these things and I'm like oh you look really good in that you look really good in that would I look good in that do I want one of those like in two years time am I gonna think why did I buy (laughs) why did I buy this thing it's really hard so let's take that example of those trainers that kind of big chunky trainer now when they first came back into fashion because this is something that I grew up with when they came back into fashion I was like oh I'd really like a pair of those I didn't invest and now it feels like again that ship has kind of sailed like they're not so trendy anymore I feel like they've had their time and they're kind of like potentially Mm. on the way out I'm I'm obviously not a trend guru anymore because I can't be (laughs) but I would say that you can either wait for the ship to sail or you could try and find a way to buy them secondhand. There are so many places online to find these really trendy items secondhand. Um, and it's getting much easier, especially for like a pair of trainers, right? It is getting easier to find these items secondhand. But what I would recommend is really trying to get to grips with your own style. Now, this is something I think that gets easier as you get older, potentially. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I have never been someone with like a really distinct sense of style. I wish I was that person. I wish I just stuck to like one decade and that was my vibe. But unfortunately, I'm not. I'm a magpie. I'm drawn to so many different things. And because of my relationship with fast fashion in the in the past, my wardrobe was super eclectic. But I would try and create kind of Pinterest boards of the things that you love. And these can be from different times and refer to that and have that as your style and try not to get too sidetracked by trends. Another thing that I kind of been thinking about recently is I don't want to, I want to keep more of my clothes and have them for as long as I possibly can, because chances are some of those clothes are going to come back in style. But I think it's right. But I think it's like, I would say fill your kind of Instagram feed or wherever you get your, or wherever you spend lots of time with people who have kind of quite timeless, effortless style, you know, people who just wear things that aren't necessarily bang on trend all of the time, but it's not the easiest thing in the world. And I would say, you know what, if you do fall absolutely in love with something that's really trendy and you're going to have it for a long time, then I'm not, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be the one to judge you. And I also like, I, I felt guilty about so many things. You know, I I used to guilt trip myself when I was kind of really trying to be very, very plastic free about like a pot of yogurt. And now I look back on that. I'm like, hun, like go easy on yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe you have some good advice on that one. I really like your advice of making a kind of like Pinterest style board. And I think that is something that I am going to do. I think 
Yeah, I don't know. I kind of identify with the seeing if you can get the trend with things you already have. So I'm really t- the thing. One of the things I'm most terrible for is coats. I love coats. I have such a such a coat drobe. I have too too many different ones because I tend to all winter I'll wear some kind of all black outfit and then just a different coat on top of it. But I do this every year now and see people wearing these like these great coats and then I think I have actually got a grey coat. It might be a slightly different shade of grey than that grey coat. But do I really need a slightly different shade of a grey coat? No, I don't because it just it doesn't make that much difference. And if you're kind of following the general style of somebody anyway I always think outfits you see on Instagram they do they look different in real life anyway and when you, when you see people wearing outfits and you think oh that looks really nice and really kind of like chic and classy and it looks like a really great outfit and then you click on it and it's tagged and it's like a really cheap jumper from a fast fashion brand it does kind of just make me think, and I'm like, the things that I have are just as good as that. It's just a particularly nice picture. 100%. And it's all about, I also just try and hold on to the fact, like, it's all about how that body is ca- carrying those clothes. Yeah. So much of it, so much of style is just confidence and owning it. Yeah, that's very true as well. God, one question. You can just, oh, I could just carry on. All of these conversations. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move us on. Um, our next question is from Avery, and I had actually several variations on this question. So how do you feel about thrifting from stores like Goodwill, which I know is an American store, we don't actually have it. It says, recently there's been some division from people who claim that it's unfair for people who can afford other clothes to shop from Goodwill because it takes the clothes from others who need them. So it's kind of this idea of gentrifying thrift shops and you know, assuming that the only people who use thrift stores are people who can't afford to shop elsewhere. Yeah, there's been a lot of conversation about this recently and it's not, uh, you know, taking the Goodwill example kind of, it's not just Goodwill, it's, there's been conversation about this with kind of every secondhand site and charity shops in general. And I think there is some truth to it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, However, Tansy Hoskins, who's one of my favorite fashion writers, recently spoke about this on Twitter. But I don't think it's kind of necessarily the most press- pressing issue. Um, I think it's true, but she she spoke about it quite well. I think if we're all kind of adhering to the buy less yeah. rule, it's not like a massive, massive problem. But yeah, I mean, um, it, I think there is truth to it, to be honest. There has been... There's definitely been a glamorization of shopping shopping secondhand. And I also think I follow this YouTuber, something like I don't really share with many people is I have like my little like, what I love doing in my spare time is watching YouTubers. I'm just like, that's what I do. It's my happy place. Okay. And um, she, she shops secondhand quite a lot, but the quantity she buys is absolutely madness and she says like it's fine it's sustainable because it's all secondhand right but the volume is like so she's never gonna have a, there's never she's never gonna be able to wear all of those clothes right mm-hmm. so I think it's important for us to I think it's really important for us to bear in mind when we shop secondhand it's it's really really important you know how am I preventing someone else from having access to this 
Do I need it? Could I buy less? I think these are important questions for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it feels like that is a continuation of, you know, just because you can buy something and it feels better that it's secondhand, it doesn't mean you need to buy everything that you like that you see. Exactly. Next question, which is something that you touched on briefly, and I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this, but it's a question from Hansika, who asks, it's a known fact that many European countries, including the UK and America, ship their waste to Asian countries. Most of this waste includes garments. Why aren't these well-developed countries capable of coming up with new recycling methods or why are they shipping their garments at all? So important. So important. Why? Uh, Why? Because we would rather spend our money on other things, I guess. Is it because we're not spending our money in the right way? We're not taking ownership of our own waste. We're not investing in the right things. And frankly, to be honest, it's because countries like the UK care way too much about profit and the economy than they do a healthy planet. It's like this, this is the thing that we kind of, that keeps, I keep coming back to, you know, we keep seeing one of, you know, the most polluting companies in the world talking about how they're going to be more green. It's like, well, are you really? And do you really care? Or are you just, is this just greenwashing? Um, Yeah, we are. We're absolutely doing that. We don't have the infrastructure because we haven't invested in the infrastructure to deal with our own waste and we're shipping it away because we can and because we're not taking ownership. It's really awful. It's really unsettling and it's really not okay. And it's something that our governments need to do better with. It's so unfair. Yeah. I mean, imagine just like, imagine if that's, imagine just giving all your waste to a friend. That's basically what it is, right? Or someone you don't necessarily like that much. Yeah. Or someone you've oppressed. Like, Yeah, can you just deal with this for me? Because I've created this problem, but I don't actually want to deal with this problem. Exactly. Yeah. It's awful. It's really, really awful. And yeah, more deeply, it's it's what we we talked about earlier. It's it's a hangover from colonialism. Um, It's really horrible. Yeah, I don't think there's a quick answer to that. And I don't think either of us, I don't think anybody could give a quick answer to it. But I think it's one of those things maybe what you were saying it comes down to more you know spending your time and us especially in the global north spending our time and trying to change the systems a little bit I don't actually know exactly how you do that but I think it's something that we need to try and pursue and sort our governments out and sort our systems out absolutely I don't know how to do it but we you know keep listening keep learning keep trying I guess and yeah, do have a look at Dead White Man's Clothes as well. The OR is present on Instagram because this is their work. This is what they do. I will link to that as well for sure. Awesome. Last question that I have for you is from Basma, who asks, if fashion designers or designer brands started working sustainably and eco-friendly, would they still be as successful as they are now financially? Yes. Because consumers are so awake to this, to this issue that I think there's a really high demand for it. However, I do not think that focusing on profit when it comes to sustainable fashion is actually going to solve that much. Mm. Yeah, that I, I knew that was going to be a tricky question because, you know, for one, you don't run a designer fashion brand. So, you know, not not in their books. But also it makes me think of something you said earlier where it was kind of like, you know, 
fast fashion companies make a lot of money, but they're not paying people a lot of money. So could you almost, well, I mean, no, you couldn't. I'm disagreeing with myself even as I ask the question. But could you fix fast fashion by readjusting their profit margins almost? And, you know, if they made slightly less profit, but they actually paid people properly, is there any way that's going to work? Like, or is it just a complete system overhaul that is needed? Um, It is a system overhaul that's needed. But if there was a redistribution of wealth, it would actually make a huge difference. And you know what? It wouldn't even take that much of their wealth um, to redistribute. In the campaign that I've been running this year, we've been referring to it as a new solidarity economy. Mm -hmm. And that new solidarity economy puts garment workers first and it lets garment workers decide what they want. They want, you know their basic needs they want fair living wages they want their demands met and that's one of the most important things and that's the thing that I keep coming back to so it's gonna take a lot but I think with if we put them at the forefront if we redistribute some of that horrendous wealth and make less of a wealth gap and if we also input the right legislation I do think we could make some some real change but if we're too focused currently I feel we're too focused on sustainably sourced materials and not enough we're not focused enough on on the ethics because ultimately and I'm sure you agree with this sustainably sourced materials should be standard and so should fair living wages I mean standard yeah it's it's horrible that that feels like a pipe dream but I agree, it I shouldn't. It, like, wouldn't it be so nice if things were nice? And I know that sounds so wishy-washy and like, oh, oh, you dreamer, you millennial fool. But like, wouldn't it just be nice if people just treated each other properly? Exactly, exactly. And I, I you know, I've been so guilty of that. Like, my leggings are made from recycled plastic and therefore I am a sustainable eco queen. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, like... I just think it would be so wonderful to have, you know, the high street stores that we're all familiar with. Imagine if we could walk into them and know that everyone who's made those clothes has had their demands met, hasn't been, has been allowed to unionize, has been allowed basic things like clean drinking water. Like the fact that we're far away from this blows my mind, but I do feel hopeful. It's so important to feel hopeful because there is hope. There is hope. That's where I'm going to finish this section. Hope. There is hope. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, if you want to get in touch with us or you've got any questions for future episodes, email me at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things that I ask of every guest, and that's if listeners want to learn more and find out more about what we've been talking about, can you give us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? The viewing material I would like to recommend is... The Ugly Truth of Fast Fashion, which is a Patriot Act episode with Hassan Minaj. It's available on Netflix and also this is available on YouTube. If you haven't watched Patriot Act, it's wonderful. It is my dream kind of political content because it is also entertaining and it's funny. That's my favorite when stuff is funny, entertaining, and it's also like hard to I haven't heard of this. It sounds great. Oh my gosh, it's so great. I'm obsessed with him. I'm in love with him. I mean, the whole thing is just amazing but this episode brilliantly 
in a very condensed and accessible way breaks down the issues within the fast fashion industry super accessible and also funny and impactful really really would recommend that sounds like a perfect starter um moving on something to read please in light of this conversation i would really like to recommend the twilight of the ethical consumer which is an article on atmos by elizabeth klein elizabeth klein is one of my favorite another one of my favorite fashion writers she's been doing this work for quite a while now kind of over 10 years and she's made a career out of writing books about how to be an ethical fashion Mm -hmm. consumer however this article is about the pay up campaign and more focuses on garment workers and also this all important system change this article impacted me so deeply and I really want everyone to read it so that is my and it's so relevant to this podcast as well so that is my article to read I actually did read that when you shared it recently and as a real thinker I would also recommend it it's a real thinker right for sure um and lastly if I can remember where we're up to what have we done already uh something to listen to please I would love to recommend the podcast that I created this year alongside my friends Swati Davy and Ruby it is called remember who made them and it is a six-part podcast series all about fashion and fair fashion and in it we speak directly to garment workers and their unions and we learn basically and unlearn a lot um, and I'm really proud of it. It's hopefully very accessible. It's free. However, if you would like to support our work, you can on Patreon and all of our, all of the money that we raise goes direct to garment workers and their unions. I'm really, really proud of it. And I learned so much doing it and I'm very, very grateful for it. So that is my thing I would like to recommend people to listen to. That is brilliant. I think that's perfect onward learning material from this conversation for sure awesome thank you for joining me for this episode of good influence if you've enjoyed the episode please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using and if you're feeling generous you can rate and review as well your reviews make a big difference and help other people find the podcast see you next week